This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Traumatic brain injury in children represents a significant public health problem, and they account for over one-half million emergency department visits per year. It's estimated that traumatic brain injuries affect as many as one in five children by the age of 15. These brain injuries can have lifelong effects on a child's development, including their ability to learn and participate effectively in social activities. Today we're joined by Dr. Sherilyn Driscoll, a consultant in pediatric physical medicine and rehabilitation at the Mayo Clinic Children's Center in Rochester. Her areas of interest include brain and spinal cord injury, cerebral palsy, and spina bifida. Thank you for joining us today, Sherry. It's my pleasure. These statistics are frightening. I had no idea that this was such a significant problem. It is a huge problem. Um, We're talking about hundreds of thousands, if not uh, millions, of children who are affected by concussion or mild traumatic brain injury every year. Are there ages when this typically occurs more often in children? There are. Uh, The studies will show that teenagers in the range of 15 to 19 are most commonly affected by mild traumatic brain injury, followed by kids a little younger than that, the 10 to 14-year-old age set, um, and then working our way down in ages from there. Okay. What are the common causes of traumatic brain injury? I, I assume it changes depending on the age of the child. but It certainly does. It depends on the age of the child and, and the location in which the study was conducted. Um, there was a recent study conducted in Philadelphia where they looked at uh, 8,000 or so of their children that had been seen in the emergency room for concussion or mild traumatic brain injury, and about 70% of them were directly related to sport. The remaining 30% broke down along the lines of falls, which were highest in the younger age group, um, particularly babies and toddlers, um, followed by uh, being hit by or struck by an object, followed by being hit by another human. And I imagine those statistics only reflect the children who are brought in for assessment. I assume this is probably happening and the parents don't bring their child in uh, unless it's more severe. Is that Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, About 50% of kids with concussion are seen in an emergency department around the country. Um, Another high proportion of them are seen by their primary care provider, whoever that might be. Uh, But there are a number of kids, and I see them every week, who uh, perhaps had a concussion that wasn't identified by anybody and are not seen until they have the sequela of the concussion and don't quite know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Are a lot of these, the younger children, due to child abuse, or is it more accidental injuries? The incidence of mild traumatic brain injury in the very young child who are at highest risk for um, child abuse, sort of the infant age, mm-hmm. is really hard to know. Yeah. Um, The more severe traumatic brain injuries, we have a lot of data on, but for concussion or mild traumatic brain injury, I think it's likely that many of those go undetected. Mm -hmm. Baby falls from a changing table, say, or a bed. When they roll over, they hit the floor. They seem mostly okay. Family doesn't really identify a big difference, Um, and there's nothing on the CT scan or anything in the emergency room that would identify a specific 
um, brain injury that can be seen. And so it's kind of unknown then mm -hmm. if that child truly had a mild traumatic brain injury sure. or not. Okay. What are the common ways <coughs> kids present with traumatic brain injuries? The most typical presentation is with symptoms right away. So a child will, uh, let's say a child falls off their bike and they strike their head. So there'll be a blow to the head. There may or may not be loss of consciousness. In fact, um, some studies would suggest only about 30% of kids with mild traumatic brain injury have a loss of consciousness. Um, but there probably will be a period of feeling dazed or confused. Uh, they might have an immediate headache. Um, they might feel dizzy. Certainly nausea, vomiting is a common symptom. And then um, from there, the symptoms will develop over days and become more, more apparent. Mm -hmm. Are there some who have really delayed symptoms that may not be noticeable for a significant length of time? Uh, there certainly are those who have delayed symptoms. I don't know about a significant length of time, but certainly um, there are some who will manifest a headache, for example, mm -hmm. later in the day. Okay. So they were mm -hmm. involved in an event. They, didn't, they knew that they had something happen. They weren't really sure if it was a significant event or not, and they'll have a, a much more severe headache later in the day or maybe even the next day or into the following. It would be atypical for somebody to present with symptoms a week after okay. um, an incident All happened. Right. And what's, what's the actual definition of a concussion? Do you actually have to lose consciousness to suffer a concussion? You do not have to lose consciousness to suffer a concussion. Um, really, the, a concussion is um, defined in, in different ways by different people, of course, but um, I uh, describe it as uh, an event or a mechanical blow or um, um, insult or injury to the brain that results in changes in neurotransmitters and chemicals um, that ends up causing a functional or symptomatic change in a patient. Okay. So it can sometimes be very difficult, I imagine, for parents to decide, do I need to take my child in to be seen, uh, especially if the symptoms may occur later and there was no loss of consciousness, so they assume that everything is okay, but it, that may not be the case. I think I see that happening both directions. I see the families who um, bring in a child, um, say, to the emergency room with very, very minimal trauma and almost no symptoms, simply because they're so much more aware of concussion these days than they used to be, mm -hmm. and they're worried that something might have happened to their child. And then I also see families who really minimized a blow to the head because, um, let's say, they're in a sport or an activity that results in fairly frequent blows to the head, and it's just very difficult to discern which is more significant and which mm -hmm. isn't. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm a geriatrician, so this is all new information to me, but as <coughs> I was reading about this topic, um, I was amazed to learn that these kids can have complications of this years from when this happens. What are some of these um, presentations or complications that occur as a result of TBI? Yeah, that, that is correct. And I, I think that the reason that occurs is because if a young child has a brain injury, they aren't fully myelinated. They might be more susceptible to changes in neurotransmitters and um, chemical differences than a child who's more, than an older child who's more fully myelinated or an adult who is. Um, and so I liken it to um, perhaps if they have an injury to the scaffolding of development, they may not be able to make those next steps as well as they should. Uh, it's, it's much less common to have problems down the line from a simple concussion or mild traumatic brain injury. But if we're talking about more moderate or severe injuries, the likelihood of having problems later is higher. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that happens if you have an injury in a young child, they may not have been challenged in areas yet 
where their symptoms would manifest themselves. So for example, um, a pre-reading, a child who doesn't read yet will be challenged to read, say in kindergarten or first grade, and if they don't have the ability at age three, you might not recognize it, whereas two years later when they're challenged, you might then understand that there's something different going on. Sure. So you think kids are more susceptible to more serious complications when it occurs very early in their life before their brain is fully developed? Yes, there's, n- there's no doubt about it that particularly with the more severe and moderate brain injuries, um, if those are sustained in infancy or those pre-verbal years, the outcomes are not as good as they are in older children, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we hear a lot of adults with traumatic brain injury, usually related to professional sports. So how does the traumatic brain injury in children differ from how adults present with this? Uh, the symptoms are actually similar. So um, almost anybody with concussion of any age might complain of things like headaches, neck pain, dizziness, visual symptoms, um, photosensitivity, um, auditory sensitivity, uh, moodiness, irritability, changes in sleep patterns, nausea, um, there's just a whole big long list of physical, behavioral, um, and cognitive symptoms, inattention, memory problems, feeling sluggish or like you're not quite all there, um, those sorts of symptoms that will present at pretty much any age. Mm-hmm. A person's ability to describe those symptoms or a person's um, sort of life experience that will enable them to see, to see those symptoms um, will depend a little bit on age. Sure. And I imagine, similar to adults, children who have experienced more than one episode of traumatic brain injury are greater risk for complications? Certainly so. Uh, There are a number of things that will put a person at risk for um, both another concussion, a subsequent concussion, as well as having symptoms that last longer than you'd expect. And prior brain injury or prior concussion is certainly one of those risk Mm -hmm. factors. Okay. Gain knowledge on the latest recommendations involving medical specialties that can be applied immediately to your practice. Focused on the primary care provider, the annual updates in family medicine course will be held March 21st through the 23rd in sunny San Diego, California. To register, visit us at ce.mayo.edu. Join us weekly here at Mayo Clinic Talks as we discuss best practices and burning questions. Subscribe today using iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Well, let's talk about how you do an evaluation of a child who's brought in following some injury and the parents are concerned that they may have had a concussion. What, what do you look for and how do you evaluate the kids? The initial evaluation should probably include a variety of things, uh, ranging from certainly a history so that you can understand the mechanism of injury, the severity of the injury, um, whether or not there was a loss of consciousness, what the presenting symptoms were, how the child has been behaving since then, are they throwing up repetitively, that type of thing, Um, are they particularly lethargic or making sense. Then uh, a full physical exam, of course, is important. Uh, Neurologic exam, musculoskeletal exam, looking at the neck um, will be important. Uh, There are certain um, 
standardized assessments that can be used following concussion. Certainly on the sidelines, there are many coaches and, and athletic trainers and whatnot who are very skilled at assessing a child who might have had a concussion using those standardized assessments. Those standardized assessments can be used in an office. They can be used in the emergency department as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and then you need to make a decision at that point about whether imaging is needed acutely um, because there's a high concern for perhaps an intracranial bleed or not. Sure. When you talk about head imaging, um, are there ones that are particularly more common, MRI, CT scan, just plain film radiography of the skull? What, what, what do we typically use? Yes, and interestingly, there was a recent set of guidelines that came out from the CDC specifically looking at acute injury, uh, acute head injury in children, and they made some recommendations in those guidelines regarding imaging. Those imaging recommendations were based on sort of some um, well-validated guidelines published previously called the PCARN um, guidelines. And they look at things like um, higher risk for intracranial bleed, including age less than two, mechanism of injury that would make you think that something very significant could have gone on, um, suspicion for uh, skull fracture, declining neurologic status, very, very severe headache with recurrent nausea and vomiting, those sorts of things would prompt you to get a CT scan in the emergency room perhaps mm -hmm. um, versus the general idea, which is most kids with mild traumatic brain injury or concussion will have no findings on their CT scan. They'll have no findings on the MRI scan. And there's no reason to expose them to both the radiation on CT scan or the potential sedation if they're young that will be requi required for um, advanced imaging. And so majority of the time we try not to image, mm -hmm. it's just not indicated. Okay. Does it make a difference if you diagnose traumatic brain injury early rather than later in terms of the prognosis of the child? I think it does because we can offer both education and potential interventions that would uh, help shorten the course of the symptoms following concussion and certainly perhaps prevent another concussion from happening which is one of the main things that we want to do for these kids. We want to make sure that they don't get their head hit again um, following concussion while they're still recovering from that first one. How do you do that? What are some preventive measures that have been <coughs> proposed for uh, hopefully preventing further head injuries in the future? One of the things that is the most, the, the most important thing I can tell a family when I'm seeing a child in the hospital on consultation, for example, after they've been hospitalized for a concussion, is that family needs to keep their child out of harm's way. So if they are a football player, they, obviously they're not going back to, to play. Um, any sort of contact sport is off the table until they are 100% asymptomatic and approved to go back to play by a certified provider. Mm -hmm. um, for a child who's not in organized sports or a much younger child, that may mean keeping a little closer rein on your toddler so they're not jumping off the couch so that your five-year-old is not on their bike until they're completely symptomatic, those, those sorts of things. Okay. And then there are also a number of guidelines that we put into place about return to uh, play and return to school, uh, return to activity that I think are important in minimizing symptoms down the line. Okay. How do you manage children who have had traumatic brain injuries? What treatment options are available to them? The first thing that we do is we ask the child and the family to have relative rest. And what I mean by that isn't go in a dark room 
and do absolutely nothing, which is something that we did do for a period of time, but we've learned since then that that's perhaps not the best way to manage these. But we'll tell them relative rest from a physical and cognitive standpoint for the first two or three days. Then we want you to gradually go back to normal activities. No contact, no risky stuff mm -hmm. until you're symptom-free, but gradual return to school and learning, gradual return to physical activity. Then um, we'll often check back in with the child within a week or two, see how they're doing. 70% um, of kids will be completely asymptomatic by a month later. Um, another 20% or so will be completely better by three months, the three-month uh, mark. Um, but for the kids who are having significant symptoms in the meantime, we're thinking about symptomatic management. So headache being the most common symptom, we'd be thinking about you know regular Tylenol or um, ibuprofen to manage headaches, that type of thing. Okay. A lot of problems, especially with kids, are managed in a multidisciplinary approach. Is this one? Are there other disciplines that get involved in managing children with traumatic brain injuries? There really are because there are such a variety of symptoms that can go along with concussion that we do need a number of different people on certain occasions to participate. So, for example, if a child is having ongoing learning uh, difficulties, um, due to trouble with memorizing and that type of thing, will involve a neuropsychologist. Um, there may be formal neuropsych testing or screening to try to determine if there are any lingering learning issues that need to be addressed. Uh, there may be behavioral issues that will need to involve a pediatric psychologist for to help with managing um, behavioral outbursts or impulsivity or um, uh, difficulty with attention. Um, we might involve a physical therapist if there are ongoing difficulties with balance. We might involve an occupational therapist if there are difficulties sort of managing organizational things in school. We might involve a speech therapist or occupational therapist who provide cognitive therapy if there are real ongoing uh, sort of executive function um, problems on, um, from the concussion. Mm -hmm. I imagine most healthcare providers who see children who've had traumatic brain injuries probably see the milder ones, but I suspect in your role, you probably take care of those who've had more severe injuries and are maybe comatose for days, weeks, whatever. That's right. How does that differ from a milder case? Uh, how do you handle those mm -hmm. kids and what do they, what do they like when they uh, regain consciousness? So 90% of head injuries in general are mild. And so we're really only talking about 10% of the kids with head injury that would fall in that moderate to severe range. And um, uh, quite literally, um, one might encounter anything in a huge spectrum of severity, uh, both in terms of initial presentation and outcomes for those kids. So yes, you're completely correct that somebody who's had a very severe traumatic brain injury or, or other type of brain injury um, may be comatose for some period of time and have a gradually emerging level of consciousness who will follow in the hospital along with the ICU teams, perhaps the trauma teams, um, perhaps the neurosurgical teams, um, providing supportive care initially and then become more and more involved as the child starts to emerge in providing more intensive rehabilitation, um, sometimes on the floor and other times on our inpatient rehabilitation unit. Mm -hmm. And that may last for days or weeks or sometimes months. Um, and we'll follow a child 
through their recovery, um, you know, sometimes for years. The child who has been comatose for a period of time, do they typically recall the injury that happened causing the injury? Uh, usually not. Um, usually uh, the kids who are more severely affected have both retrograde and anterograde amnesia. And that's actually a measure that we use for emergence um, from their brain injury. Um, there's a scale that can be used for that. And if you get a certain score on that scale, we are all celebrating because a child is out of that period of amnesia. Mm-hmm. Um, but they often lose a, a good period of time okay. around, the, around the injury. What's the prognosis for children that either have mild injuries or those that have more serious injuries? Prognosis for kids with the mild traumatic brain injuries is excellent. Almost all of those kids with a first-time concussion will fully recover, no sequela whatsoever. And I think that's really important information to transmit to families, particularly in this era of um, watching what's happening to NFL players and all the discussion around repetitive head injury. Mm -hmm. Having one concussion in childhood probably is of no significant consequence to the trajectory of the child's life. Um, The kids with more moderate and severe injuries, that the story can be a little bit different. There are certainly kids who fully recover, but there are others with lingering problems throughout their life. Mm -hmm. And then finally, are there resources available to help parents as their child is going through rehabilitation for an injury? There sure are. Um, Your primary care physician, of course, is important. Uh, There are brain injury teams in um, most major medical centers that would be uh, probably appropriate if there are lingering problems. Schools have a number of resources these days for kids with concussion. And I would put in a plug for the CDC website um, related to concussion for children. It's called Heads Up, which is a fabulous resource for both providers um, and parents and children and coaches and schools in terms of sequela and things that can be done following concussion. We've been talking about traumatic brain injuries with Dr. Sherilyn Driscoll, a Mayo Clinic physician in pediatric physical medicine and rehabilitation at Mayo Clinic Children's Center in Rochester. Sherry, thank you so much for spending time to discuss this very important issue. My pleasure. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.